Hello and welcome to Open All Ours. I'm Chris Charles, uh, sporting a sideshow Bob haircut, or as I'm sure Paul Finney will tell you in a second, I'm, I'm resembling somebody else. Um, I'm joined by three other people, uh, two QPR fans and one absolute legend. Uh, first person is Paul Finney. Hello, Paul. How you doing, Fred? You all right, big man? <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes. Chris is... is, is, is... Rocking a Fred Ware haircut, very well. So um, I don't think now. Very well done, Chris. I'm not too bad, mate. Thank you for um, asking me on your show, and hopefully we'll finish it all intact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, our next <laughs> our next guest who actually did point out the Fred West similarities, I believe. So thanks to you, Gemma Fumanjali. Is that the right pronunciation? Let me get that right. Yeah. Hi. Um, last time we did a pod together, we could go to an actual pub for a drink after. So that's how oh, long. Oh, yes. I think that was a late one as well, was it? Well, they usually are. I can't really yes, remember. I think so, yeah. Um, do you want to show us that picture of Fred West then? So we, get it out, we can get it out of the way in case anyone does see this. Um, I, I really must get my daughter to get the clippers tomorrow. Yeah. It's not great, is it? Okay. How have you been anyway? <laughs> Apart from the Fred West uh, pictures, how have you been? Yeah, we're, we're well. It's it's tough, but, you know, we're well. So that's really at the moment. I'm just grateful that we we are COVID free in this house. So but other than that, fine. I'm just missing QPR, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and now onto the fulcrum of our promotion winning side. It's none other than Sean Derry, my lord. Sean, how are you? Yeah, really well, guys. It's good to see you all again. Um, yeah, just share what Jim says there. We're, we're lucky in our house as well. We're, um, we're nice and safe and um, we're missing our football, although I'm privileged to be going in every day working. But yeah, really missing getting out, watching the games. And it's not the same, is it? No, mate. I'm, I'm, just for anyone who doesn't, what, what, what are you doing actually at the moment? Yeah, so I'm the under-23s um, coach at, at Crystal Palace and I've been here now back at, obviously, a previous club of mine. Um, for 16 months, so a lot, a large part of that's been spent, obviously, trying to navigate this um, this new way of football, which has been carries its own difficulties. But listen, we're very lucky, you know. We, we we get to go in every day, and the guys get to train. And unfortunately, it's not the same as it used to be. But fingers crossed, you know, that we, we've got some happier days around the corner. I hope so, mate. And you got a decent under 23 player joined you uh, just at the start of the season, who we know quite well. He's not bad. Yeah, he's, um, he's a tidy little player. Um, no, he's been great, hasn't he? He's wonderful to watch. Um, I've watched him a couple of times closely um, when he's been training with the first team. And do you know what? Do you know what I really love about him? Um, we had we had a session on our um, on the first team's training ground about two months ago, and he watched our session and he took a keen interest in the youngsters. Um, he sat there for about an hour. His session had finished. He was just recovering from a, I think, a slight little knock. He could have gone home, but he sat on the advertising boards and he watched the boys and probably testament to the kind of character that he is, really. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, a lovely guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times. And the guy I work with is actually his best mate from, from, from growing up. And um, 
you know, I said, you know, he can't, he can't just be that nice all the time, can he? He said, well, no, he is. <laughs> That's just who he is. He's just like a really warm, lovely guy. And I mean, he was, I know he might get into trouble with this, but he came to watch QPR the other night when uh, we don't know the full circumstances, but yeah, he could have just, um, could have just walked away from QPR, say goodbye and blah, blah. But, you know, there he was, he's supporting his old team. And yeah, I don't, I, it's really weird when players leave, leave a club, you know, often it's, it's like, right, forget about them. But I think the amount of, QPR fans who've been retweeting his goals or stuff he said, even though he's now plays for a rival London club. It's amazing. What well, I was there. Cool. I was there. I was at the Sheffield United game. Yeah, it was. I was sat upstairs, one of you know a select um, group of about forty people. Unfortunately, that could only watch the game. But to see the game, you know, to see to see his movement and the way he glides across the pitch. I mean, I didn't obviously get to see him too many times at QPR, but to see him live, he's uh, he's fantastic. Amazing. He actually he actually scored a better goal for that for us against Stoke, and um, I won't lie, it was not that I'm, I'm envious of Palace. I mean, very nice and all that, but no, he scored a really good similar. He, it's the way he runs, loose, Sean, isn't it? He's got this kind of ability to. He doesn't look like he's going fast, and then before you know it, he's in the box and bang, it's in the back of the net, and it, it must take defenders by some. It must be a nightmare to defend against. Seamless, isn't it, Paul? You know, you look at the way that these top players move, you know, the real top top players, and I think he's got a great chance to be one of them. I mean, I love watching Jack Grealish. I just think his balance mm. and the way that he glides around the football pitch is, is wonderful. And, of course, I played in that team with a, 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 another unbelievable number 10 with, with Adele. And I just look at Ezzy and I just think, you know, he's, he's, he's made of that type of, type of cloth, isn't he? You know, he's, he's going to be an incredible footballer. Big miss for us, though, Gemma, isn't he? Gemma? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, I was talking to my because I have my split Arsenal QPR household here, but my Arsenal son was saying to me the other day, what is the problem with QPR? You keep having these really good players, and just when they get good, you sell them. And I said, I know. <laughs> it's a real problem. I mean, it, it just, it's, I'm so glad for Eze, but he's one of those players who, I mean, I'm not the football expert in terms of, technical playing skills but he looks like like Adele he's one of those people that you feel just is bo a born footballer and there are born athletes who become amazing football this is just my opinion but people who are really athletic and amazing and probably amazing at most sports and if they trained hard in most sports they do very well but he is just one who just has that natural instinct and ability that you can't you can add to but you you can't create that I don't think in someone who isn't that just natural. He just he is. He's amazing to watch. I think with that as well, Gem. I think the backstory of how he gets to be a footballer is is brilliant for every young player. You know, you look at the Premier League, and um, you know you have to be a super su supreme elite player to get there. I mean, the level is incredible. But where he's come from, you know, the disappointments that he's had to take um, in his stride as well, and I think the humility that brings um, is why I like him so much I think you know you can come up through the academy system and you can get blinded by the lights to a certain degree and you can lose um, track of what's real life and I think you know his journey has been completely different to a, a lot of what these these Premier, Premier League superstars are and that's why I like him I think he's going to be great for Crystal Palace and um, of course he, he he's going to he's going to be fondly remembered by the by the QPR faithful as well
until he comes back, because obviously we will get him back here. We're just letting him develop a little bit at Palace and then we'll just ship him back into QPR. Obviously, he'll have, he'll have a terrible choice between us and Barcelona. You can tell he's going to be in such a dilemma for him when he comes. <laughs> but Sean, do, do you reckon that's what's missing at the game these days sometimes? Is um, do you think players part of the academy structure should be they go lower league um, for like a season or a few months because some there's, there's think you know because the pitches are worse, they're not as that gives them a bit more grounding. It's a brilliant question because obviously, you know, working in this um, level of football now compared to, you know, where, where, where I was, you know, being a, being a manager at Notts County and at, at Cambridge, I used to go and watch the under-23s quite a bit, you know, not just, not just Crystal Palace or, you know, QPR or anything like that, but just across the board. And you know what? It's really tough to actually pick a player from them levels and, and, and say, they're definitely going to go and do a job at League One and League Two. But now I'm on the flip side and I'm obviously a, a development coach in, in, in an under-23 um, setup. I would very much encourage the young players to, if they can, just grasp one of these opportunities, whether it be in League One or League Two, when the better players generally go to their levels. Or even lower down, you know, the Conference or the Conference South, Conference North or South, because... I think to come out of this bubble, and it is a bubble and it's garden and it's, you know, you're protected to a certain degree. And when you go in and you're playing for a three points that really matter and you're up against lads who are fighting for the mortgages and the car rents and everything else and putting food on the, you know, on the kids' tables because that's what it's like at, at, at the lower levels. I think it exposes our players, you know, the, uh, you know, the younger players to what, football sometimes could look like um yeah no very very wise words there mate um i was just going to go back to you know we said uh you know Jim jokingly said that uh Eze might come back one day god god hope he does um but just as we were having a bit of a dismal season no winning no winning nine i think really bad trot uh, another hero has emerged from the from the mist to uh, hopefully come and save the day and, and and what a debut it was as well brilliant how good was it? I mean, of, of course, we're all following QPR on social media at this moment in time and try and jump on the Sky Sports in the morning and just to see the story of Charlie coming back. Um, I think it gives everyone a lift. I think the club needed a lift. I, I, I've, got to, I've got to say, you know, uh, let, 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 let's be right and say it's been a stop-start season. There's been some particular highs and there's been some quite demoralising lows, just like, you know, a, a, a team that's hovering in the positions that QPR are. That, that's the nature of the beast at times. But this has been brilliant. This has been a fantastic shot in the arm for every QPR fan, I'm sure. And, and not a bad uh, second debut um, coming on and uh, scoring, the, scoring the goal. 56 minutes, I think, on the pitch. Comes on, scores a goal, walks back up again. <laughs> And what a lovely goal as well. I think they're the kind of goals that I probably QPR have been missing for the last couple of years. You know, them nitty gritty goal scoring six yard boxes where, you know, we know that what, what, what type of team QPR at this moment in time are. You know, they're, they're very nice on the eye. But when it comes to the nitty gritty in both boxes, you know, at this moment in time, just to have that little bit of an extra fire, firepower at the top will hopefully improve, in, improve the league status going forward. Be, to be fair to him, though, Sean, I watched it. It was, it was quite bizarre because he's, he's added to his armory. He, he was um, spreading the ball around really well. 
And you say about the goal, but the Luton players tried to take his head off. And he just stands there, you know, and that's what we've needed. You know, before maybe one of the lads might have gone down or they might not have been in the right position. Or you can't teach a player that, but he, I was surprised how much his game has developed since he's left. You know, he was knocking the ball around. He's also made the other guys look so much. I mean, literally, you say a shot in the arm for the fans. It was a shot in the arm for the. the, the I don't know what he's like in the dressing room. You know more than I, I do. But he seems to be. He rubbed off on everyone. Sean Legg, the, the performance was 100% better than most of the season. Yeah, and I think, you know, to, to, to answer the question, what, what is Charlie going to be like in the dressing room? I think it's vital that you get that type of player as well. You know, in terms of what he can deliver on the pitch, he's fantastic. You're right. He's a natural born goal scorer. He's, of course, he's got better. He's had some great experiences since leaving QPR first time around. So, but to come back as a senior pro and perhaps to be that voice as well. You know, sometimes people are raising an accusation that it's quite a, um, a timid dressing room, probably. I mean, you guys see them a lot more than me, but from my perspective, looking at QPR at this moment in time, a lot of good young players coming through, but to have that experience in and around the dressing room day in, day out can only, can only help everybody. Yeah, I think we've definitely, we've said it on here before that we're lacking that leader and the people who have been to <clears throat> see the odd game in the lockdown, obviously you can hear everything that's being said on the pitch uh, and it, it's quite striking that the other teams are saying quite a lot and a lot of chat and chatting the referees here, whereas we were all quite timid and respectful, um, which is nice in its own right, but on a football pitch, I think you need a bit more of that drive. You need someone in everybody's ears to get them going. I think Charlie himself said that. I think, you know, he as well as his undoubted prowess as a goal scorer. I think that's really, really important. And, and as Paul said, he seemed to rub off on everybody else. Bon, who couldn't buy a goal for ages, you know, um, as soon as that ball was crossed, you know, he was put into his path. I thought, well, it's, you know, it's going to Rose Z, but fair play to him. Um, and, and yeah, and as Paul said, what, what is he like in the dressing room? The thing is, you had a lot, it was the other way around. You had a lot of big voices in that dressing room when you were all together, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, we did. We had some we, we had some characters, to say the least. But we're, do you know what? You know, the good parts of the dressing room were full of some great people. I've, I've been on this podcast a number of times where I've obviously voiced my um, anger and, um, you know, kind of disagreement with certain things that took place. But when it was good, it was great. And I mean great. It was It was fantastic. When you look at the real leadership qualities that we had, you know, the likes of Bradley Orr and Jamie Mackey, Clint, um, Adele led in a different way. You know, he, he led by example in terms of what he could deliver on the pitch. But then you got leaders like Tommy Smith, who, who had quiet leadership. Um, you know, you could go all around the group and even the lads who were pushing, the lads who were playing, you know, the substitutes where Fitz Hall was a fantastic um, character to have around the dressing room as well. So I could name too many. We had a what lot, was, and it was what brilliant was Paddy, to play. What, what was Paddy like, Sean? Because he's showing Twitter with a massive bang. He sort of announced himself, and he, he's a character and a half. I, I've never, I knew he was a bit of a character, but he seems mad. Yeah, mad. Yeah, I, I, I would say he had a, a, an element of madness about him. What goalkeeper doesn't? Exactly. You know, you look at even Greeny. You know, you look at Rob Green. I think Rob Green's crazy uh, in a different <laughs> way. I think he's absolutely away with 
I really do. I look at him every day. Why the hell he wears them white trainers when he's on Sky Sports? I'll never know. He's got the worst <laughs> clubber I've ever seen any goalkeeper have. Well, but, even what yeah, the... an element of madness for goalies. But you know what? I was, I was, I was watching some highlights because obviously it's like the, the anniversary this year. I was going through some of them games and that. I reckon Paddy was massively underrated by a lot of people. He was. He, that must be one of his best seasons. That, that season he had a QPR. He was he was unbelievable. Some of the saves he made, you kind of forget because obviously you got Adele, you got yourself and Clint. So you're in the referee's ear. Clint's kicking people all over the Elsey Road. <laughs> and um, but Paddy was pretty amazing. I thought he was. I'll tell you what he didn't want. He didn't want Paddy Kenny as a Monday to Friday goalkeeper because he actually turned up on a Saturday. He really was, and I, and I say that with massive amount of respect to Paddy. He was a character, he was a leader, you know, he was a fine goalkeeper, you know, one one of the best that, you know, I'm sure every QPR fan will appreciate just what he brought to the club for them, you know, a couple of years. But he didn't he, he didn't like training. He didn't, you know, he, he wasn't one who really enjoyed his training. He enjoyed the camaraderie of the dressing room and, you know, being a footballer, I'm guessing. But when it comes to um, shooting practice, even I was scoring. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't make the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> again, it's it's a bit like the Eze thing. He's obviously a na- he's a natural goalkeeper. He just that is in him to do that. And I mean, imagine if you had a Paddy Kenny who had loved training. I mean, it would have been he'd have been even beyond incredible, really, because he just had that. He was he was brilliant for the yeah. I mean, so much I'm- of the time. We, we had, you know, we, we, we had some super players, didn't we? Back in, you know, back in 2007, it was it was a brilliant time to be involved um, as a player. You know, whether whether we were getting promoted or not, the one thing I could look back on personally is um, is an unbelievable experience of being at the club for three years. There were some brilliant people there, brilliant. There were some lads who were daft as brushes, and there were some lads who, you know, you really, I really looked up. I really looked looked up to, and I, I I was one of the oldest there, but I looked up to people there, and I, you know I really respected a lot of players there because they were good people as well as good players. Where did, where did um, you... Oh, sorry, sorry. Paul. I was just going to say on Paddy, you said he was underrated, but he did get the supporters player of the year, didn't he? Ahead of Al Tarab, which I think was the wrong decision. I don't know. I mean, outside of QPR, Chris, if you know what I mean, it was like you know, yeah, yeah. A lot... you know I mean, we 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 know our players. I think Sean should have got it to be perfectly honest because at that Watford game, um, he was he was pretty immense. I've never seen anyone kick so many people in one afternoon when we won the league. Well, I mean, I, I quite enjoy kicking people. I've got to say, you know, it was, <laughs> no, uh, you, did it, you, you did it with a skill. I mean, that afternoon because I was surprised, Sean, because they had nothing to play for. Let's be honest, they had nothing no. to play for, and we were going to go, you know, win the league and everything else. And they did everything they possibly could to try and ruin our day. And I love the fact that, and it takes a special team to do that and it takes a championship team, a team that's worthy of that title. And we did it that day. We stuck in. We weren't fancy dance. We had a we had our Adele on that, but we also stuck it to them as well. And um, they could have quite easily bullied us that day and we stood up to them and I was really proud of the team that day. I thought we played bloody well to be for. I think testament to the group of lads that we had, we could, um, we could play in many ways. You know, if we was given the opportunity to pass the ball around the pitch and be creative. We had creative types of players and we had a killer instinct to right the top end of the t- top end of the um, pitch as well. But if we needed to mix it, and at times we did, you know, it's an unrelenting um, championship. 
of course, you've got your 46 games and then, I mean, we didn't have too many league um, league cup games because we always managed to get um, come out in round three. Um, so, but for the forty six games, yeah, we concentrated and we had a way of working that we got the we got the results, we got the job done, and we had the players to do that. When did you when did you realise that we could go up? When was it? Pretty early, I've got to say. I mean, people will say you know at certain points of the season, but. We had a brilliant pre-season. Um, Neil took us away to Italy um, and it was just a fantastic way of um, grabbing hold of a different group of people and moulding them into a Neil Warnock type of team. Um, and then actually on the Thursday before the start of the season on the Saturday, we then signed Adele, which was, you know, like the the icing on top of the cake because I looked around and I thought it was a fantastic um, group of players. I mean, I've said so many times the best player I've played alongside was Alejandro Fallin. Um, mm-hmm. Alejandro for me was a dream, a dream. And then I looked around all the different groups and just thought, this has got a of a chance. It's, uh, I'd, been in the, I'd been in the championship myself for about a good 10 years at different clubs. And I knew what the championship was about. And I knew what it take, took to, you know, to be in that top six or to try and get promoted out of it. And we had it. And then once Adele arrived, I just thought we'd get promoted. Really? You, that, 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 uh, as soon as he arrived, that was it? Yeah. Was yeah that, for me. that after seeing him in training? I mean, did you know much about him before? Well, I've been taught, I mean, prior to coming to QPR, I was obviously, you know, playing, playing at Palace. And I think we lost 2-0 to QPR. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it ran about, Neil had took over at QPR. Paul, um, Paul Hart had taken over at Crystal Palace. So we played we played QPR and lost. And remember the scene, you know, where Maradona went and goes on his maze in the 86 and he goes past Peter Reid. Well, Adele done that to me at Sellhurst. And I was unfortunately Peter Reid and he was the Maradona. So um, <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew what kind of calibre of player he was when um, he absolutely tore me to pieces at Sellhurst. How does that make you feel as a player, though? I mean, you're not standing there applauding his genius at that time. You're thinking, well, I won't repeat what you're thinking, but yeah, you're not very happy. <laughs> well, I got used to it in training the next year because <laughs> he'd done it to me every other thir- every other ten or fifteen minutes, so <laughs> become quite natural. Um, and I couldn't kick Adele because he was our best player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, weird, the weird thing is, though, Sean. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I know I said to kick it at Watford, but I was joking. But we did get stuck in it. It was nice to see. I was quite surprised as well. How, to me, everyone came, Neil Warnock came with this whole thing of how he was playing football. We've seen the Sheffield United in this world. We've seen, I think that was the best football inside he put together. I mean, you mentioned it with Fallin, um, Tommy Smith, Adele. There were some blinking good footballers in there and a lot of pace as well, you know. And I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if, that, if he would say it himself. But I know he's been in the forecast, he's, he has said it. But that side was a very good football inside. It was, and the competition, um, not just on a Saturday, was was there. Of course, it was because we were pushing each other. But this, the, you know, when, when you really judge a team, it's it, it's every day. You know, the competition in training was very, very high. I mean, we trained like we played. You know, we got stuck in. Um, every single session was intense. We we trained like we played, and um, it rubbed off on a Saturday. And I think I think you're right, Paul. I, 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 I would say if you was to speak to Neil Warnock now, 
and he would say, listen, perhaps name your top three teams that he's been, you know, in charging over the, over the last 75 years that he's been a manager. He'd say, um, he'd say that QPR was definitely one of them top three uh, in 2010. And, and Neil Warnock himself, um, it's no surprises really that he, he, he did pretty much, done pretty much what he did with us. Like you said, that season he came to us, we were struggling. That game against Palace was probably the turning point, that 2-0 win. Now he's, uh, he's retired about 100 times since then, but um, <laughs> poor old Sharon, maybe Sharon wants him out of the house, I don't know, but he's, he's now back at Middlesbrough and surprise, surprise, they were in danger of going down <clears throat> last season and yet here he is again. How does he do it? What's the secret? Well, you know when you, you, you know when you, you're quite familiar with something, you become quite confident at the same time, don't you? I think he's, he's the stereotypical top championship manager, isn't he? You know, if you look at, and respectfully, because, you know, he's, he's always competed when he's gone into the Premier League. But if you were to say who the top championship manager probably in my opinion, of all time would be, I would say, Neil. Mm. And he backs himself and he's confident. Um, and that's why they're doing so well up at Middlesbrough. He'll, he'll get them in the top six, I'm sure. Um, um, and what about in the Premier League? Because obviously it's well documented that he got sacked. I think we, were, we weren't in the relegations when we won with a way winner at Everton with Tommy Smith scoring. We weren't... And then there was the thing that some of the fans were were, 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 were against him after the, the draw against MK Dons in the FA Cup. And then he was gone like th- three days later. I mean, in retrospect, do you think that's the, that was the wrong decision? Yeah. I, I, personally, yeah, I did. Um, and the reason I say yes is because if you look at when, you know, when Mark Hughes came in and, you know, there was some pretty, pretty big statement changes that were made in terms of the personnel and everything just kind of it erupted the club didn't it you know everything you know we had all these big signs come in and some worked and some didn't you know the majority didn't in my opinion and then what happened right at the very end of the season the last probably eight games why be tied it was the uh, Neil Warnock select 11 that ultimately you know kept us in the division and um I would have liked to have seen Neil um, given more time in the situation, but I think, you know, looking back at QPR in 2010, and I I, I know, you know, I'll openly say it, but it was a, um, there was some pretty, um, pretty strange decisions made in that season. The thing thing that got me, I'll be honest with you, is if memory serves you right, Sean, we were around 14th. So it wasn't like, we haven't been higher since enough since he, he left and I just think the board was starstruck they came in with this money they wanted um, bigger names bigger personalities which was ridiculous and make it uh, an almost a going for Europe team whereas I felt if we'd have kept that team together we wouldn't have been in the relegation battle we would have quite easily avoided relegation we'd have won the Champions League by now Finney there's no question if we'd <laughs> stayed in and we just kept on going we would have we'd have been top half every season well, do, do you know what, Sean? We look what, at Leicester, because we looked at Leicester then, didn't know? we? And we all sat there going, why didn't we just do what Leicester did? Why didn't we just do that? But the, but the thing as well, though, if you remember, Sean, Mark Hughes interviewed the QPR board. So I'm saying that's probably a big mistake. But yeah, 14th, it, it, to now looking back, how insane is that? Listen, you know, 
I, th I think, like I said, I've been pretty um, vocal in terms of, um, you know, the dismay that I sometimes felt um, being a player at QPR in them times. doesn't take away the proudness of still representing a great football club, mind you. But at the same time, I just look at, and, and I've got a lot of respect for Mark because, you know, I, I do. I, I know what it's like to be a manager and I know the pressures that managers are under. But in terms of the football club and what it could achieve, a great achievement would have been staying in that Premier League just by one goal. Just by this fantastic achievement in your first year. And I just thought that, you know, we missed so many rungs on the ladder. We, we went to, mm. from, you know, kind of like really finding our feet in the Premier League and just gaining a little bit of confidence with certain results to trying to sprint within like three or four months. And you just don't need to do that at the Premier League. We, we were never going to go into that top level because, respectfully, QPR, we aren't a top six Premier League club. No. We aren't. We're not that. You know, and we weren't that at the time. But we could have definitely been that little middle pack. And I thought we could have done that with Neil. Yeah, it's a shame. And I think it's, and I personally think the club's never recovered. I mean, I know we won the playoff final and I know all that, but I don't think it's recovered in the way it could have been. We could have had a whole different ground. And, and I would have thought keeping Neil at least for one season would have given us the ground that we needed and then go on and do But I just think they wanted to, as you say, listen, they wanted to be um, Usain Bolt rather than just being a nice middle distance runner and see it through. And you still get to the end. And you know what? You've got something to build on. Because the, the, the whole horribleness of that whole legacy was we spent all that money and we had nothing left. You know, it all went on the wrong things. There was no, there was no legacy, Sean. Do you know what I mean? Our legacy is our memories, which I know you can't take away. But the massive, massive opportunity wasted. Well, I would, that's what I was just about to say as well, though, Paul. You know, as much as, you know, there's a kind of, you know, you become slightly disgruntled at certain decisions that are made. I'll tell you what I can never get out of my memory is, is the Man City game, you know, is the Stoke game when, you know, we do go and score in the last two or three minutes. The, the, the results in the last eight games were, were phenomenal. They really were. And I think at that point, you know, with Mark being in charge, we were galvanised, you know, there was a group of players there and I know there was a number of splits because there was and that's what was happening in the dressing room at the time. But like I say about reverting back to the old type of player, the ones that got us promoted into the Premier League, you know, we really got together there and, um, you know, I'm very proud that, you know, we were able to keep the club in the Premier League for that one season. I've been watching because Sky actually did that season. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Like all the days blend, don't they, in lockdown? It's just, was that yesterday or was that a month ago? I can't remember. Um, but they did that season review. And um, I mean, I must have, that Man City game they've shown numerous times since Christmas Eve. I think I, I've lost count of how many times I've actually just sat and watched it again, over and over again. But now, the, you know, the, more, the last few well, a couple of years has just been so awful and so dreadful at QPR and so much of it hasn't been enjoyable bar the kind of socialising in the pub aspect that actually when this, I think the whole thing with Charlie coming back to me has brought it all back again, you know, because I've gone back and looked at Charlie, which has made me go back and look at, you know, you and Clint who in this house are just total legends. I mean, my QPR season ticket son is upstairs, but is too embarrassed and shy to come down because he knows you're on screen. Um, but you know, hey, literally, you're I know, I can't, he won't come down. But you and Clint to us in this house are legend status. 
And so I think the whole Charlie thing just has reminded us of that time again, even though obviously that was a bit later. But it's like they say in therapy, you have to just move on. You know, in life, we have to accept things. We have to accept the club to me is kind of ruined and just move on. But I really struggle with this because I look back and there was it was such an amazing time. It was so great. There were so many good things in that whole period of time. And to throw every single one away, one by one, which we literally have, it's, I still struggle with it. And well, it's hard, isn't it? Because, you know, you always revert back to happier times. It's just life, isn't it? That's what you do. You always look back and you always like, talk and reminisce of, of, great, of great moments. But from my perspective, you know, as, uh, as an ex-QPR player and one that, you know, still has a massive amount of, well, more than fondness. So you, you guys know what, I, what, what my thoughts are about the football club. I'm sure the happy times are around the corner. And I say that through honesty. I really do. I just look at them. I, I just look at the championship now and I look at the clubs in it at this moment in time and different clubs have been on different journeys. And, and that's, that's the life, that's the life of a football fan. It's the life of a football club. And I look at some of the young players coming through and I, I get quite excited. I've got to say, I, I've not seen, I've, I, I don't watch you every week. I don't watch QPR every week, but I love Elias Chair. I love him. I love yeah. the way that he moves. I love like he, the way that he glides around the pitch. And I think that he could be a special player and one that he can really jump on, uh, you know, uh, and just see where he can go. It's brilliant. You've had a brilliant couple of years with Ezzy. <laughs> you know, Ezzy's been a great player in, in, in tough times as well. So that's where we are, aren't we, at the club at the minute? You know, that, that's what it's all about. But you know what, Lucia, I get what Jim is saying because I remember that season really well. I'm not going to stop reminiscing because I fucking love that season. I win it all my life to see us win a trophy. And it was kind of like Derby away, Leicester away, Cardiff away. These are not, we, we you know, just the memories, the last minute goals, the, the massive away support. It was just the, the best of days. I've got to be honest, as a QPR fan, I don't know what the other two reckon, but. Ah, oh, do you know what? I can't thank you guys enough for that season. That season was a season of a lifetime, and it was fucking class. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and, yeah, what he said basically is exactly the same. But it's interesting with Charlie coming back. I know you only were at the club. You sort of passed each other. Indoors, yeah. Like a couple of he, he, I think he arrived in the July. You left in the November. Was that right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as Charlie came, obviously, you know, that was when. Um, I had um, a largely unsuccessful loan at Millwall, <laughs> and um, yeah, so I spent a couple of months there whilst um, whilst Charlie was um, smashing the goals in for QPR, and then, you... I, and then I retired. Then yeah, see, I, that was a missed memory. I thought that you might have been in the dressing room with him uh, at some point, but you weren't. No, I wasn't. But obviously, you know, I've, I, I know. Obviously, still speak to Clint probably, probably, probably every week at this moment in time. Um, yeah. Oh, Sean, Sean, please, I have to ask the question. So, obviously, you speak to Clint a lot. I know what's it, coming. Can we get any inside information on what happened with Barton? <laughs> You're not, you can't tell me because you'd have to shoot me first. But Fred West is here. So, oh, if you can just God. tell me about anything, how is Clint? <laughs> well, look, you know, it's disappointing, isn't it? You know, from the outside looking in, and, and that's all we are, aren't we? You know, we just we just observers from the outside. You never know what goes off in any four walls, but 
I thought they'd done a great job. I thought Joe, I thought Joey and Clint and, and the group that they had up at Fleetwood, I thought they put them on the map um, respectfully, uh, massively respectfully. It's not the kind of football club that um, is, a, it, it is the main attraction to players because of where it's um, situated. Um, but I thought they'd done a really good job. I did. I, I was really surprised by the sacking. Um, now we both know, all you know, all five, all four, four of us on this call now. You know, we know that they're strong characters. Joe is a strong character. Clint is as well. And I'm guessing they stuck to their beliefs and they stuck to their um, principles. And um, I think sometimes you've got to do that as a football manager. Sometimes it goes your way, and other times it doesn't, and you find yourself out of work. But I think they'll have a lot of people knocking on the doors again because. I, 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 when I was at Oxford with Carl Robinson and we, we came up against Fleetwood twice and they were good for the level, League One, they were very good. And um, I was really surprised that they got sacked. But Clint's all right. He's OK. We just need Clint uh, back. I mean, you know, it's the, it's the month of getting people back. Somebody, who, who do we call? I mean, when I know you've got a job, Sean. I know that you're obviously not wanting another job, but if you do want another job, <laughs> we could just take you back and we'll get fallen back in. We're sorted. Everybody's happy. It's interesting. The the um the, the somebody tweeted when Charlie came back and tweeted Ali Forlan. He replied, "Say you know, uh, is, is it time to get the band back together?" Yeah, because I put something about it, and he liked my tweet. Well, now maybe I, it was you actually. Of course, yeah. he's watching. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. I mean, he wants to come back. He's thirty foot. What we're missing, sure, we're actually missing somebody like you in the midfield. That's yeah. that's. What, and I'm not just saying that because you're on. Because Are you fit. <laughs> I, I don't know how you measure fitness as a 43-year-old. Um, it's, um, yeah. Is I, could, uh, I could definitely growl. I can growl at people. I think that's as much as my... Um, you can still talent. kick, I bet. No, on, on, on a serious note, you know, when you're talking about, like, you know, Adele, so, uh, Ali Forlan and Clint and myself, and, you know, you, we all... We, we're on a WhatsApp um, kind of chat group. Um, there's me, Bradley, um, Ali Forlan... Um, Oh my Clint. God, I love that. Can I join? <laughs> we'll invite you for one night only. Yeah, that's brilliant. So who else, sorry, Bradley? Sorry. Yeah, so, so there's Jamie Mackey, Bradley Orr, uh, me, Clint, Heide Helgerson. What? Um, yeah. Joey. Brilliant. Yeah, so there's uh, six or seven of us and we, um, yeah, we keep in regular contact and it's, um, it's nice. That's it's brilliant. nice because love to football be is like ships in the night. To, sometimes, it, you know, you pass people along the way, don't you, but no, they were great. They were great years. They were brilliant. Years. Sorry, quick. Joey. I mean, obviously, Joey and Clint, um, quite different characters. I mean, they're how can I put this? Clint. Clint is universally loved. I mean, for a QPR fan, I mean, you know, you know, Clint could come and take my wife away, and I'd be like, yeah, that's that's absolutely fine, mate. <laughs> um, but Joey is a bit more of a polarizing character, and we had Ned Manure on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, who had quite a few scathing things, things to say about him, saying that, you know, he was, you know, he made basically, he wouldn't play Harry Redknapp's formation and made him change it on the, the, the eve of the season. Um, he was calling out players being bad eggs, like, um, I can't remember the names of the two Chilean, Chilean guys. Um, Argus. Argus um, and... Um, yeah, anyway, go on. Um, yeah. uh, and, and when, in fact, he was a bad egg. So, I mean, I, I'm just interested to hear it from the other side, because obviously, if you're in a WhatsApp with group, Joey... With Joey, you obviously think he's all right. Yeah, I like Joey. I do. You know, I have to. Um, I like him. 
I like, you know, he pushes the boundaries. He, um, he challenges you every single day, but definitely as a player. Um, I remember we played away at um, West Brom and I was in the holding position in midfield and, you know, Joey was supposed to be in um, kind of a little, just, just narrow from the, from the narrow wide right. And um, he wanted to play in my position and I couldn't play in that position because I was never that type of player. But we had words at half time and, um, you know, the words, you know, they're football words, aren't they? You know, you, you, you say what you feel at half time. But the one thing that Joey always told me was his, his opinion. He always vented his opinion. And you either like it or you don't. And you react to it or you don't. And you either go into a, she into a shell or you come out of it. And I was the kind of guy who'd come out of it. And Joey appreciated that because I think if you kind of back down to Joey, he sees it as a level of weakness and he can overpower you. And that's the kind of character that Joey is. But he'll make no apologies for that because that's his characteristic. And I actually appreciated that because um, I quite like them kind of guys around me because he kept you on your toes every day. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I think the thing is, to be honest with you, Sean, I think Joey being Joey, I think a lot of the QPR fans were upset when he came out and said that he, he, he only joined us for the money, which we knew a lot of that side did anyway, you know, and things like that. He was honest and stuff like that. And as you say, he does define opinions, but Clinton Hill, it's just Clint, isn't he? I mean, Clint Hill, you can sit there. When you two guys, when you came on the, pod, the live podcast, was just <laughs> like, it was just amazing because like, there's no errors, there's no graces, but there's a hundred percent honesty. And, you know, I, I'm just wondering if football, and I, I don't mean this because I'm an old frigger now and I'm like in my fifties and stuff, but I like to think that carries on in football because football's missing characters. It's missing honesty and it's missing people who tell it actually as it is. Everyone's sort of, you know, it's, sometimes it loses itself a little bit. I like I like that side of it is what I'm trying to say in a really bad roundabout way. Yeah, I miss it. Paul, I do. I, I, I miss that. Um, you know, I was, my, my boy's um, 13, 13 and a half now. And of course, you know, like every majority of young boys, they love the football, don't they? And, um, you know, we was watching, I think it was Christmas Day um, when the Man City game was on. You know, we, we, watched, we watched QPR versus Man City on, on Christmas Day and we got talking about certain people in that group. And, you know, I look at him and he's, you know, he's at Palace's Academy at this moment in time. And I look at him and I just, I wonder what type of journey he's going to have as a young player. And I wonder if he's ever going to be exposed to situations that I was exposed to as a younger player. And, um, you know, but they formulate your character. And I, I don't, what I'm trying to get at, Paul, is I don't want our young players to become robotic because as soon as we see robots on the pitch and we lose that individuality and that creativity and them, that, them type of personalities that create a football club and a football team, we've lost the game completely. That happens a bit in cricket. Sorry, to, that's so rude to interrupt. But as in, it becomes like the whole formula of how you make the best kind of cricketer the best kind of footballer it's so it becomes so rigid with back with so much kind of statistics and formulas and everything else that you do and then if people react against it in any way they're just gone they're out you know yeah. so we see so saying cricket you'd never have a flint off again you know you'd never have a both and you none of them would be picked because they wouldn't be fit enough or they wouldn't 
and probably Paddy Kenny now, you know, if he came along now, then people yeah. would say, well, he's not training properly, he's not fit enough. And and you would lose. You And I think the championship still has it to a degree, but the premiership on the, in the main seems to have just lost it now. You can't play in that league without yeah. being fitting the way that everything has to work. And that's the dilemma that I, I feel we're at. I think, I think we're at a crossroads, I really do, and that, and I suppose, you know, I'm, I'm developing these young players at this moment in time. And I have to make sure that I look back at what type of young player I was and, you know, the influences that I had around me. I was brought up not as a young academy league player. I came from a different type of um, upbringing at Notts County in mm. the lower levels. And when I played, I played at 18 with lads who were 35 and... I heard things in the dressing room that perhaps you don't hear now. So if I see some of the young players who show certain characteristics, I've got to try and harbour that. I've got to try and, you know, encourage that because I don't want to see that kind of characteristic die in football because there's a lot of robotic players um, at this moment in time. And I, 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 don't, I don't really like it. Well, it's more media trained, isn't it? It's kind of like the media trained... They say exactly the same. You can interview 10 players who will say exactly the same thing for 10 different sides, after 10 different games, after doing 10 different things. And it's, I these, like it's these, yeah. mate. The, yeah. the, as, as brilliant they are, is, you know, as they are in one, you know, one voice, in another voice, I can't stand them because everyone's, everyone's a journalist. Mm. Everyone's a cameraman. You can't afford to make your mistakes no more as young players. I made a million and one mistakes, million and one, done some absolute bizarre things as a young player. But they're what mould you, you know, and you can't, you can't now go into a bar as a young player because if you do and you just sat there and having a couple of drinks, it's reported that you, you're breaking rules. It's ridiculous. Yeah, For those right. people who are listening, by the way, um, Sean was holding up a mobile phone there to, to, to illustrate the point that basically, yeah, people have got camera phones and, yeah, you, 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 you basically can't... But do, do. but do you know the other thing is, sorry, Chris, but Sean's just hit, hit upon something that really does annoy me as well. It's kind of the, the train to be too similar. Robotics are the right word to use, but also individuality has to be a brilliant thing, surely, because without that, you know, how do you get your Stan Bulls? How do you get your Frank Worthington? I know I'm going back or whatever. And... I don't watch football to see three people doing exactly the same thing. I watch it to see the likes of Adele. And to be fair, Sean, I know you say you kick people. You're a hell of a decent player yourself, mate, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not paradising with saying that. But you could talk about the game as well. You're not, you know, you're not being trained to go in front of a camera and just say, yes, thanks, the guy for this. It's, and I hate seeing these young kids because if they don't make it in football, their education and everything else, they'll be moulding into something they're never going to be. And I just want them to be themselves. Because you look at young Eze, you look at other people, they are their own people, and that's got to be embraced, surely. has to. And, you know, for us to develop um, the next X-Factor type of player, which that's what gets people in the stadiums, isn't it? That's why people pay all the money. You know, you're right, Paul. You, you don't want to come and see 11 um, robots. You don't want to see 11 run-of-the-mill players. There's got to be these top players, and we've got to, we've got to be able to let them develop and I've got to encourage them as a, you know, as a, as a coach. I've got to let them develop as, as individual, individuals because they're the ones that we want to pay to watch. 
they're the ones, you know, that season when we did get promoted in 2010, I had as much enjoyment playing alongside the likes of Adele and Alejandro Falling as probably you guys did watching them. Because I'd had 10 seasons, 12 seasons in the championship where I was in a lot of run-of-the-mill teams. So to go and play with an Adele Tarat was brilliant for me as a, as a player. Yeah. And you know what, as well, though, you talk about Ezzy. I'm just going to shut up after this guy. Sorry, I'm, I'm hulking the podcast, but you shouldn't do that. But when Ezzy was played a couple of seasons ago, Chris and Jimmy will, will um, through as well. People were so quick to judge him, weren't they? It's like he's lazy, he's this, he's the other. They don't get a freaking chance. It's like after 90 minutes, your whole career as a 17 year old is judged. That's got to stop. These kids have got to be given a chance. They've got to be given a season at least, two seasons to develop it. The instant remedy for footballers now is shocking. Oh, I mean, I when I was managing at Notts County, Jack Grealish was um, on his first loan to Notts, so I had I had Jack for about eight months. Oh wow! And he was um, he was a player, right? I, I, I share this with you, you know, and I, I've said it before, so it, it's it's no kind of like hidden secret. He was a player who didn't appreciate a passing drill. He didn't get in, he didn't get excited about a possession um, drill. He's crossing and finishing. It didn't really take a lot of um, a lot of. He didn't really want to do any crossing and finishing. Tell you what, he wants to just play five a side, and he wants to just play small sided games, and he wants to play like eight v eights. And as soon as it came to the game, he had he loved it. He just loved the game. And there were certain times in that season when you know we were fighting relegation ourselves at knots. And people criticised a young 17-year-old. And I was like, wow, wow, this kid's the best player on the pitch by a million miles at 17. And he's going to make his mistakes. And he'd turn up now and again and he wouldn't have his club tracksuit on. Or he'd be 15 minutes late. Or he would miss a pre-match meal. Or whatever, whatever this is. Or I'd get a phone call. Jack's been out on a Wednesday night. They're the mistakes you make at 17. But don't crucify the young players because look where he is now. Great player. What do you, what do you advise your players that you are coaching and managing? What do you say to them about social media? Because I think now, I mean, it's, it's so brutal. It's, it's almost, I find it almost unreadable a lot of the time, the stuff that people are directing, you know, and tagging at players in in football and other sports and I think if my kids were which they're not but if they were professional or heading towards professional sports careers my only piece of advice would be just get off social media and if you want accounts make them private without your name so people can't tag you in all the time but it's so hard for them what do you say to to players about how they cope with this at such a young age when it can be so brutal Gem, it's impossible let me tell you, to, to, to advise a young player to get off social media or to have private settings on social media. Did I, did, do you know why? Because they live their life on it. Socially now, this is where they're doing all their kind of conversations and everything now is about a mobile phone. All I say to them is be careful. Just be careful. Don't, don't leave a footprint that's going to come back and haunt you. You know, if you've, you, because people will always look back through the history and say, well, he made this comment at 15. 
At 15, you don't know what you're saying at 15. My kids are 13 and 14 now, and I have to say it to them now, be careful about what you're doing. You know, if you're on the TikTok or whether you're on whatever that, you know, whatever the platform's on, it leaves, it leaves a mark. You've got to be careful not to leave the wrong mark. And that's all I say to them. Just be careful. Sure. Unfortunately, we're coming. We could, we could speak to you forever. It comes to the end of this podcast, but I'm sure we'll all have a question each to us before we go. But I, I just wanted to, um, first of all, um, um, Charlie Austin, you know, when he's rejoined, he basically said, um, is that Finney? <laughs> it's mine. Sorry, I'm muting them. Sorry, I'm frantically my, my, muting because the noise. My, Sorry. Dog cur- my, my dog is currently chasing the cat around the flat. Oh, really? Okay. Um, no, but I, uh, there's a couple of things I want to ask. First of all, um, Charlie Austin's come back, and I think this is genuine. He said, you know, he, he feels he's back where he belongs, where he's loved. Now, he's played for Burnley, played for Southampton, played for West Brom. Why? And, and this happens with a lot of players. Why do they gravitate back to QPR as being the club they think most fondly of, given that, let's face it, it has been a bit of a basket case for about 15 years? Well, that's a brilliant question. I mean, I was really fortunate to play for some fantastic football clubs. Um, And I think the one consistency that I felt that all the clubs shared, you know, so the Portsmouths, the Sheffield United, you know, Crystal Palace, QPR, Leeds, it's about fans. And I say this, and I know you're all fans and people will say, oh, no, I believe in fans. This is what I'm missing football at the minute. I would hate to be playing now. I really would. I'd hate to be playing with no fans in the stadium. Mm. I don't think I could reach the levels that I reached as a player because it was you guys at QPR. You know, when you're playing at Loftus Road and everything's on top of you, the stands are literally there. And I loved it. I loved the home performances more than the away performances because, you know, in the in the full houses where, you know, you've got a, a full audience and they're right on top of you, and you can hear every single thing that's being said. I loved it. I loved it. And I just think, you know, as a, as, as a football fan as well, you know, I was a football player, but I was also a football fan. And I had the old Panini sticker albums like, like everybody else. And, um, you know, you can always look back at certain people who pulled on, you know, the hoop shirt and you're just looking back and, well, I'm now playing for that football club and I'm proud still proud now to say that I've, you know, I've, I've pulled on the shirt, which is, which is brilliant. Well, mate, I, I, I'm literally welling up here. This is, must be, must be a lockdown thing, I'm sure. Or remembering all those bodies under the patio that no one's discovered yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other all thing, right. the other thing I was going to say very quickly was you, this WhatsApp group of yours. Um, he wants to join as well. What do you chat about? I mean, is it just hi, how are you doing, or, or do you or do you reminisce back to the old days? And no, 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 no. It's not how, how are you doing. It's definitely not how how are you doing, guys. It's a ruthless chat, and it's um, it's old school um, humour, um, and it's um, it, it, it's quite it's quite um, it, it digs deep. Let me tell you, it really does. And you've got to be a certain type of character to even stay on these chat groups. So. Um, as much as we'd like to invite you on, Gem, I don't think we could. Um, I am so not politically correct. Charles and Finney will back me on this one. I'm not a feminist. I'm not woke. I'm nothing. I love. I would love it. Honestly, one night I won't be offended. I promise not to be offended. No, no, no. What 
I, I, I love these guys. You know, the, 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 these these lads um, these lads could have played for um, for any club. I do. I, I say that. You know, they, they could have they, they could have owned the they could have owned their own in any dressing room. Let me tell you that. They're brilliant lads. Okay. Well, before we get to the R's end, do you? Do you, do you, do you I, keep, I, I was just going to say, do you keep going? Ask, ask Sean. I'll ask Sean a couple of things before we go. The R's end, Sean, just a reminder, if you didn't remember, it's just anything else we want to say at the end that we haven't already talked about. So I'll, I'll hand it over to Paul and Jim if they want to just ask you a quick question first and then we'll go on to that. Sorry, Chris, I jumped the gun. Not right. like me at all, to be <laughs> honest. All thing I'd like to know, Sean, everyone's going to have a favourite memory from that season. Um, what was yours? That's my simple question. Oh, many, many. Of course, there was many, many, many memories. Um, but I think the big thing for me is all, you know, it's it, it, it was a personal memory for me when um, I led the team out against Leeds. And I know we lost the game, um, but the emotion before the game, you know, where we found out that there was going to be no points penalty. Um, the dressing room before that game was a group of senior players and young, impressionable guys welling up and crying before a game. And I'd never, ever encountered that at any club. But what was waiting for me in the, um, in the, in the just outside the dressing room was my, was my three and a half year old son who, um, I, who led us out with, with me as the captain. So that was my standout memory for that season. It was Jesse, my little boy, um, Lily, my daughter, was supposed to join us, but she um, she crumbled at the last minute. Bless her. Um, so that was my personal memory: leading leading the champions out on the final day of the season. Adele was our captain, and he was a fantastic captain for that season. But to be able to have the privilege of leading us as out on that forty sixth game was um, was wonderful for me. Wow. I've got one question, Sean. So let's imagine that tomorrow you have to leave your household bubble and you have got to bubble with one person from that season. Who would that be and why? And now it could be because they're a great cook or they're particularly funny. What would be if you had to confine yourself and you can't go to work, you have got to stay in for the rest of lockdown with one player, who would it be? What a question, Jem, hey? What a question that is. God, it'd be the honest answers, you know. Yeah, I could, I could give you, I could give you some, um, I could give you some great um, answers for, like a Jamie Mackey would keep keep me entertained, um, like he did through them three years that I played with him, and obviously the years afterwards, you know, the the closeness I've got with Clint, you know, them them kind of memories that are still to this day um, very very strong, them them links that I've got with them players. I think let, I, I'd like to hope if lockdown was only to last two days because I don't want to be, I don't want to spend too long with this particular person. <laughs> but I'd love to pick Adele's um, brain for two days, and I'd love I'd love to pick it to a degree where when he went to um, AC Milan, and I thought he was going to go. I've always said I thought he could have played for Barcelona or Real Madrid. I, re I really believe that. I've been work with him every day, and just to just to challenge his mental capacity of where he was as a 21 year old or a 22 year old, compared to where he is now, as you know, as a 30, 31 year old, wherever he is now, 
and just to ask him, and I've asked him a couple of times over the phone if he would have made some different decisions because that's the big thing for me. I look at him and his ability and he'll say he had a great career and he has. He's had a great, great career, a wonderful career, but he should have played for Real Madrid and he should have played for Barcelona. He should have played for them and I would love to just pick his brains for two days. I really would. Can we arrange that? Someone? That would be amazing. Great question. It would be amazing. Great answer. That's a brilliant answer, Sean. That's fantastic. But I think Sean's family might object to him leaving their bubble for a while. But if you were to, that's that's that'd be brilliant. I mean, do you know what, Sean? I'd love to do that. I'd love to sit with Adele and just, you know, the first question would be, why are you not bigger than God, bigger than Messi, bigger than Jesus Christ? Because most talented player I've ever seen in Rangers. I mean, I didn't see Stan, I didn't see Rodney, but Jesus Christ, what a player! But he'd done things in training that I've never, ever seen anyone do before or after. Honestly, certain things he'd done, people stopped and just went, wow. We did. We wow. It was a wow moment every day. Um, You ask him to put the ball in the top corner, he'd do it. You ask him to do, you know, a ridiculous turn in the middle of the park, he'd done it naturally. He didn't even know he was doing it. He was such a natural footballer. Um, But he had his demons. Um, like we've all, we've all got them, haven't we? Was there was there a bit of that? Was there was there people queuing up saying, Adele, can you do this? Can you do that? And 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 is there any particular example you can give us something where you were like, oh my god? Apart from getting the bus at Fulham, <laughs> Chris, it was it was a daily occurrence where he took your breath away. Uh, he, he did, and um, you know, you go and you, you'd have a, a little moan because I, I loved moaning. I couldn't get through a day without a moan. I really couldn't. So, you know, I'd moan about Adele perhaps not tracking back his runner, or you know, he'd pull out of a challenge. But, but then you look at you know what he brought to the table, and you just thought, right, we'll um, we we'll enjoy this moment. This is this is this is a great moment to be a footballer. You know, this this is for me that year playing. Um, in the championship with Adele as, as the number ten, that was that was a that was special. That was a great year. That was that was wonderful times. Brilliant. Right, we're coming to the R's end now. Uh, Finney, my phone's gone dead. So would would you be able to do the honours while I'm giving my R's end to just read out who bought the beers and um, the other message that was in the, our our uh, QPR podcast WhatsApp group? If you can look for that, if you don't mind. <laughs> I know, let's ask the dyslexic to do something really intelligent. Oh, <laughs> I'm playing anyway. me bingo. Um, I think, well, Chris, I think we'll do. I'll do my R's end. While I'm doing that, you screen back a bit and go find. Okay? Yeah, I've, I've just, I, okay, yeah. I, well, I can't. The problem is it's on a WhatsApp group and my phone's dead, so it won't work on the laptop. This is great. This is great. But I'm not in that WhatsApp group either. I'm not in, in Sean and Clint's WhatsApp group. I'm not in the podcast WhatsApp group, but it's just not fair, is it? Okay, Finney's finding it. So I'll give you Shut up for a second, Finney. Um, All I I wanted to say was, um, first of all, um, uh, old friends, James Doe, Jimmy Doe, um, um, whose idea it was to do the Tiger Tiger Feet Walk, had too many beers now, Tiger Feet Walk uh, for the kids with Down syndrome. uh, His also idea, he's the one who set up non-league day for when when other clubs... Premier League clubs uh, aren't playing because of international duty, um, encouraging people to go and watch the local team. So he's an all-round good geezer, and he's just run seven marath- seven half marathons in seven days, 
um, including one however many laps around Loftus Road to raise money for QPR and the community. Who do 25. So big, oh, right. I, don't, I don't know what Finney said, he'll correct me in a minute. So big shout out to James Doe. And the second thing was, I think we touched on this, we had a chat before the podcast, how good would Luton have been, Charlie Austin, scoring the goal, coming back, the prodigal son, if there were fans there. And I know you, you said this as well, Sean. Um, it was great. We all watched it on our laptops individually at home. But how good to be in the away end at Luton of all places. Whether we got out alive is a different matter. But yeah, I, I, I really missed that. I really missed that. So Gemma, over to you. I just, I just need the, um, I need my Austin shirt actually because it's ordered, but it hasn't come yet. So <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm. It just this week has been a, a real high point for me in the midst of everything, really. With Firstly, Charlie coming back. Secondly, speaking to Sean. But just, I feel like finally there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel because it's pretty bleak times. And we all needed this. Everyone needed something to cling on to. And it's just come at the perfect time, really. So long may it continue. And soon I'll be wearing my shirt again. <laughs> and Sean, while Finney finds rootling around. I found it. I found it. it. Okay, we'll go to you because I think Sean should have the last word. Finney, over to you. Hang on. Oh, sorry about that. Um, Have you got your gluten free beer? We had one too long. <laughs> what are you doing? Hang on. Yeah, I just don't get it. Um, this is why you should never let me look at a WhatsApp group. I've not lost my headphones. Hang on one second. You've lost your headphones. Oh, uh, there you go. Have you still got your gluten free beer? That's the big question. Well, I've just kicked up the floor and the okay. dog's looking at me strangely. I've got a gluten free beer here. Uh, anyway, um, Go on, carry just, on. just like right, the, um, the dog's taken it away. Um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> I've forgotten to get it. This is your fault, Chris. You should never let me lose. Um, it is. Um, I'm going to go back. Hang on one sec. But our then for me quickly is um, Sean. Do you know what those memories? You can give me. You could look. As you know, Sean, I'm a big indie fan, right? Don't let yourself. Um, that season was better than seeing the Pixies first gig than seeing the Smiths live than anything that could ever happen which is the biggest compliment ever and thank you you know you made a young kid from Belfast who fell in love with this London Bears football club the best days of my life was in one season and um, yeah I'm, I'm even well enough because it was a hard season for me personally a lot of times and just that season was just freaking fantastic. So thank you very, 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 very much. And you guys should never have to buy a beer in Loftus Road or Shepherd's Bush or anywhere with the blue and white shirt that lets you buy a beer and let themselves know. I'll be back in a sec. Let's go. Sorry, to, I suppose it should be me then, yeah. Um, once again, guys, thanks so much for having me on the... Um, podcast it's always it's always lovely to to come back and speak QPR and of course the year of 2010 will forever be um, a, ma a major part of my career and my family's um, you know moments of watching me play as well which which is brilliant but what I will leave you with is this so bear with me oh by the way this episode has been sponsored by Ben and Cillian oh hang on so, I'm sure you're doing a lot of these podcasts at this moment in time. 
but apparently this is called a banjolele and my wife um, plays uh, musical instruments. So whenever I do my um, Zoom calls, I always do it in the um, kind of like the office stroke music, work, uh, music room. So I'll leave you with a little song, okay? And I don't progress to be um, anything other than a really, really bad banjolele player. But if we could just leave, if we could leave the um, podcast with this. That elf's too good for you. 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 That is so powerful. That was so good. That is my favorite. That's my next ringtone. Right. I've got to say, Sean, that is my favorite ever moment of 11 years of these podcasts. And you have just nailed my best memory ever. That is fantastic. <laughs> so good. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I, mean, I know people have not said this, Sean, and I, I say it with respect. I know people said when you're shooting, you couldn't hit a, a barn dorm with a banjo. Well, we know that you can. <laughs> ah, very good. Very good, Paul. Paul, before you we go, can you read these things out for us, please? Yeah, it's just that this week's podcast is sponsored by Ben and Cillian Rohan, um, and that was sent in by their dad. They're both 16. And who bought the beers? I didn't get that far down because my headphones fell off and I hit my head against the... Um, the, the, okay. the um, well, I'll tell you what, we'll, 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 we'll do that next week. I mean, you, you know, you, you did ask me. And I, I, I'm not lying, listeners. My headphones fell off. I banged my head off the, the um, half and my beer fell over. Brilliant. Well, it's, honestly, it's been a fantastic podcast. Sean, above and beyond, mate. Thank we were you, Sean. 15 minutes, so to come on for the full hour is amazing. So thanks very much. Brilliant. You take it easy, everyone. You too, Thank guys. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you, Bye. See you, Sean. Take care. Right. Uh, that, there you go. That the is, lights have literally best. gone out on me. <laughs> that is, the best, that is a, one of the best podcasts we've ever, 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 ever done. Love I him. It's wonderful. Him. Love him. I, I, I give us that. He's just, he's as a, a footballer should be, isn't he? Let's be honest. He can, yeah. I, I, I'm impressed with that. That's just, this has been such a pick-me-up week, and at last week, we're all down the dumps, we're getting relegated, things are shite, COVID, yeah. recovery from COVID taking longer than we thought, it's been horrible, we can't hug the people that we care about and love, and we beat Luton, which is always frigging brilliant, I'd have paid money to be there, and then you get Sean Derry reminding you why we support the greatest football club. No other fans have had what we have just had, guys, of any club. I guarantee. I've made my whole lockdown, I mean, properly... Yeah, like, it's been so bleak. I'm just, I can't even believe it. And the thing is, nobody understands. Like, you guys understand. Yeah. Nobody in my house is going to understand what that last hour was to me. Amazing. But when, when I did the test with them at five, and, and you know, I said, I, I said, well, what we'll do, we'll get you from the start. And then I said, you know, whenever you want to go, just say go. And he says, how do you want me for? What, an hour or so? And I was like, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said, well, give us a call at six. And yeah, that was amazing. Oh my um, God, he's well, br- it was brilliant. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. And I think as well, because otherwise, if we hadn't had Sean on, we'd just be discussing Luton and should Mark Warburton still be here. And I, I think people want to hear, we got a lift out of that. So I think people yes. want to hear a feel good podcast. Fair enough about Joey. You couldn't really press him on it. He obviously likes him. Fair enough. <laughs> Can't, it's all just for courses. I mean, um, we're still recording, so we'll probably put this out. I mean, you know, the side that we see, he sees a different side. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of Joey. I never will be. And, you know, I've, I've, I've said that in the live pod to both of them. But they like him. That's fine. But what I wouldn't give for a Sean Derry and a Clint Hill to be in that oh, same night. 
we, we would be we, we would be but you know what i'll say it before we go and we, and we dear listeners but this made me laugh last week it was all and this is no word of a lie either. you're on twitter although i've kind of taken i'm taking i'm on i'm on one of my many breaks on twitter at the moment because i'm i can't spell for toffee i'm gonna have a break um and everyone's like doom gloom doom gloom going down this is shock and terrible charlie also goes back Ooh, i might have a five on the playoffs you know, one game, everyone ignored everyone around us at the table and going, oh, you know what, there's bloody good odds to win the league. I think Richard in our WhatsApp group posted up 2,500 to win the league. Yeah, you know, <laughs> folks. I mean, it's only one game, but I think I think what was I, I I doubt this will be going up, but I think what was obvious, okay, it was a, it was a, it was a tap in if you like, but I think what we haven't done is had those the scruffy goals as Sean called them, the sort of. Um, off, a, off, a, off, off the backside, you know. The, but I think what it what it showed is Charlie's uh, position, his awareness to actually be there at that point. Because I said to Nancy before it went in, oh, we never score from corners, and it was like bang, whoa, <laughs> incredible, absolutely amazing. I was, I kept being astonished by the gaps because you just thought, obviously, the Luton manager sat his players down and gone right. Charlie Austin's playing. Whatever happens, you don't leave him with more than an inch of space no. at any point. And I kept looking and there's Charlie in space again. You're thinking, well, what's going on here? But because he's so, he, to me, he's improved so much even as a player since he's come back that I was just, the fact he kept finding space like yeah. that. Well, I think the thing it was that he, that for the corner, all the sort of players went, you know, towards the ball and he just took a chance and went the other way. And that's all, that's all it was. But without having the actual nous of a of, 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 of a goal of a goal poacher i mean i wouldn't have thought to do that and, and I, what i'm hoping is that that, that um I, I also thought um Christ, i've forgotten his name definitely had too many beers. uh not bon the other guy the scottish guy he's not scottish he's australian scottish i get uh, what you're saying you mean dead yes i thought he had a really good game actually i thought he did i thought he he, he did all right on um and, and yeah. you look at his stats i think clive posted up his stats and he's he's not a prolific goal scorer but he's a pr- prolific in the two. He's had like you know players who've scored a hatful of goals, and he's had like eight or ten. But he links up well with the other guys. He needed, he needed a Charlie Austin, didn't he? He needed someone to come in and do that. But right before we go, I will say this: Gemma, that was brilliant. Chris, that was brilliant. But I'll tell you what was more brilliant: having a footballer play a banjo on a podcast. <laughs> that was, I literally, I need to get that as my. I'm, I'm serious. I want to like get that bit on my ringtone. That clip will be the first thing that we know. 100 percent Brilliant. Okay, so we should say goodbye to the listeners, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on, boys. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Love to you both. Stay safe. Thank you.